0: Welcome to the Viking Age podcast, the official podcast of VikingAge.com. We do this every Monday and Thursday night right here at 6.15 p.m. Central Time on the Viking Age YouTube channel. And if you miss it, we have you covered in podcast form the next day on Apple and Spotify. But however you listen, make sure you're liking, subscribing, giving us a good review because we never want you to miss a new episode. My name is Chris Shedd. I am a contributor at The Viking Age as well as Zone Covered to bring me the news. And on your right is my co-host, adam patrick who is the managing editor of the viking age podcast adam let's start off with a little bit of wrestling talk here because yesterday was all out and maxwell jacob Friedman returned after basically sitting out the entire summer after a contract dispute so let's have a little fun with our first question what do you think is the most shocking return in vikings history Uh,
1: it's got to be Randy Moss in in 2010, right? Um, I don't think anybody thought thought that was gonna gonna happen uh, ever again after he was traded. Uh, I believe in 2005, 2006 to the Raiders, um, and of course he went to the Patriots, and then he wound up on the Vikings. Now his second tenure did not last very long, uh, thanks Brad Childress, um, but or maybe thank. Thanks to the cafeteria worker that, you know, gave him bad food or whatever the story goes. uh, Probably not. Uh, but yeah, nobody expected Randy Moss to come back. He did. He got did the did the get your purple, get your 84 jerseys out. It was great. It was exciting. And then it wasn't. Um, but yeah, there's been some some other returns that weren't really as notable. Like recently, you know, Everson Griffin, um, you know, I don't think many people thought he was going to come back. But then. He made his way back. Uh, Gary Anderson came back after he departed shortly. uh, 2002, I think. There's been a a couple guys. But yeah, Randy Moss, definitely the the most notable to leave and then come back.
0: I'm lucky I watched the uh, Luke Braun documentary on the history of the Vikings because it it gave me a chance to get some better answers. Um, I would say Bud Grant. So he retired, I think it was 82, uh, 83, yeah. a little bit after the Metrodome. Uh, They had yep. the Les Steckle experiment Man, that failed. No, no. So then he had to come back and eventually handed over the reins of Jerry Burns like he wanted to all along. Uh, Chris Dolman, actually another interesting comeback. Vikings traded oh, yeah. him away to Atlanta. Uh, I believe it was the 1997 season, maybe a little bit earlier. But Dolman goes away. He goes to the 49ers, revives his career shows back up in 1999 and is a hell of a player. But at that point he was like 38, 39 years old and he had to uh, retire at that point. But um, yeah, I, I mean, there, there haven't been any real like shocking ones. I mean, if you want to go I'm Mackenzie Alexander, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, nobody yeah. would, nobody was like, I mean, Moss, I remember the whole like Randy Moss trade going down because I was in college and I was just like, we just traded for Randy Moss and like, yeah the excitement and everything else. But I mean, it was just a, it was probably the same Randy Moss, but it was just a different level of Randy yeah. Moss. That wasn't good for that team.
1: I'm surprised you didn't say, you know, we forget. We both forgot the most notable, which is the return of Shamar Stefan two years ago from, you know, after he left for the Seahawks, they the came world's back.
0: greatest nose tackle. Yeah.
1: Tom, Tom Johnson, uh, Sebastian Thunderbucket or whatever, uh,
0: he did the same same sort of thing where Sebastian Thunderbucket is, is that, that what I you him? just said? Yeah, you haven't heard that before. Sebastian th- Thunderbucket, yeah, I, I've have, never heard that.
1: Look, look, at, look up his profile on pro, pro Football Reference. That's that's what's next to Tom Johnson's name really? just because just because his All name's so uh, just simple. Somebody gave him a random name. I th- I want to say it was Corey Cove on KFan who gave him that nickname. Um, there's him and then obviously Sean Mannion who, you know, went to the, the Seahawks briefly last year and he came back to ruin our lives again, um, for the Vikings. So yeah, there's been, there's been plenty of guys that have gone back and forth. A lot of Seahawks and Vikings back and forth for sure.
0: Well, we go from the unpredictable to the predictable because Peter King dropped his season predictions at football morning in America on Monday morning. And uh, he has the Vikings going 11 and six, which that would be a win of a season for me. How about you? I think so.
1: I think they haven't won uh, more than 10 games since 2017. So you got to think that 11, 11 games is definitely good good sign at least that the team's going in the right direction um you know he he made more predictions that probably you know aren't as exciting but 11 wins is i would say based on the players that they brought back and the goals that they had i think that's that's good enough because i think a lot of people don't think that this is this isn't the year that the vikings are kind of like going all in or whatever i think a lot of people think they're just going to kind of get things sorted out and then next year will be the year where they kind of just uh put their foot on the gas pedal and try and see if they can uh get something out of it
0: well the good news is that the vikings are going 11 and 6 the bad news is it's not enough to win the nfc north because he has the green bay packers finishing at 12 and 5 and going all the way to the super bowl uh for the vikings he has them matching up with the rams he has the vikings as the fifth seed in the nfc which is good that would mean they're the best wild card team which i don't know hang a banner for it but still i i see i feel like if the vikings did that it would feel a lot better than it did the past two years because you feel like that's a positive step in the right direction and, and then you think about 2023 and you can find I, I mean do you want a new quarterback do you want to draft yep. one do you yep. how do you improve this team it feels yep. like you have a foundation where the last couple of years you had no direction of right. course in this prediction he has the vikings losing to the rams in the first round of the playoffs, but. I would be excited, especially if the wild card game is a close game and they don't get completely just blown off the face of the earth. I would be excited about the Vikings heading into 2023 if that happened.
1: Yeah, and the NFL would be very excited if it was the Vikings and Rams in the first round because they would love to see Kevin O'Connell go against Sean McVay, and that would be all everyone would be talking about the entire week leading up to that game. Um, But yeah, no, I think it's good. It gives you a lot of options. I do kind of wonder, you know, he didn't really mention how they would get to 11 wins. He did mention something weird about Eric Kendricks, about how he would finally be viewed as a top five linebacker, even though he was an all pro uh, like a few years ago.
0: I looked yeah. into this though, because <laughs> I, I thought it was weird too. And I started recording my podcast, the Homer horn podcast before we went on air here. Yeah, And, and I looked it up with Eric Hendricks. I'm like, well, he's a former pro bowler. He has one pro bowl appearance and he yeah. has one all pro. That's it. it. It's, it's kind of weird that he hasn't been recognized perennially as a top linebacker. It was just part of a historic Vikings defense that they wrote all the way to the NFC championship game in 2017
1: and he's also an inside linebacker and i think in the pro bowl they just group them all together outside and and inside linebackers so a lot of the outside guys like Micah Parsons and Chandler Jones and all those guys are going to get the pro bowl votes cuz they're they get the sacks and stuff over Kendricks so unless Kendricks is like playing out of his mind like he was in that all-pro season then he's going to get a pro bowl vote but yeah the pro bowl is weird cuz they just group them all together um and then just going back to the predictions you know 11 wins i was just i was just saying how I'm curious to see how like they get to that they would get to that is it a lot to do with Kirk Cousins because if it is then do you extend him even more or do you just you just you, do you have a plan no matter what no matter regardless of how good or bad Kirk Cousins does next season uh as far as what you want to do with your quarterback because that's going to be pretty important to figure out uh what you want to do with Kirk Cousins moving forward whether you win 11 games
0: or not Yeah Um, sorry, I got distracted there just for a moment, but, uh, yeah, I I, I know fantasy, everybody's trying to do fantasy football drafts right now. I got busted on air trying to finish off my guillotine (laughs) league. I I understand it. I got an hour. I'll I'll just, yeah, I got an hour. I'll just figure it out here once we're off the air. But, (laughs) um, the other interesting part here though, is that he has Justin Jefferson third for NFL offensive player of the year. Wide receiver has won this award in two of the past three seasons. Michael Thomas won it in 2019 and Cooper Cup won it in 2021. Prior to this, last wide receiver to win the award was Jerry Rice in 1993. Now, King has Jonathan Taylor winning the award, but do you think Justin Jefferson has a reala- realistic shot at this?
1: Yeah, I don't even like Justin, not Justin Jefferson. I, I don't like Jonathan Taylor for the award. I know he did a lot last year. Ah, uh, but they just got Matt Ryan, and he's uh much more, not much more, but he's a more reliable passer than than Carson Wentz uh, was, and I feel like the Car- the Colts used Jonathan Taylor a lot last year to kind of hide some of the uh, weaknesses of Carson Wentz. So you know, instead of having Carson Wentz pass a bunch, they would rely more on Jonathan Taylor. I don't think they're going to do that again this year. They're still going to use him and utilize him because he's a good player. Um, but I don't think he's going to have the kind of season that I know. I see a lot of Jonathan Taylor going number one in fantasy. And I'm just like, "Eh, I I don't know. It seems like a remember David Johnson with the Cardinals and how he had that, those, those, like, I think he had one or two really good seasons and everyone's like, Oh man, this guy, he's just automatic in fantasy. And then he had like 500 rushing yards. I'm not saying that that's going to be, um, Uh, who are we talking about? Uh, Jonathan Taylor, Jonathan Taylor, uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Are you Uh, drafting a
0: fantasy team on air? Like I am. No,
1: it slipped my mind is because there's so many players to think of right now as far as fantasy. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not, maybe not as high on him as maybe some others are because because of Matt Ryan being there and him being a better passer than, than Carson Wentz. So I would think that Justin Jefferson has a really good shot at being offensive player of the year. I'm I'm always curious why it doesn't go to a quarterback like they play off because that's too, reserved for
0: the MVP. Award. I, underst-
1: I understand.
0: <laughs> I like, understand. Like it shouldn't be like offensive but,
1: player is the consolation prize unless you throw well, like if you're Peyton Manning with the Broncos and you throw like for 55 touchdowns.
0: Yeah. OK. Like I I, I don't know. I, I you could have made a case for Jonathan Taylor to be MVP if the Colts made the playoffs last year. Yeah. Like, like that's the way I see it. Just, he he's a beast. Like as somebody who lived in Minnesota all this time and is big into college football, I saw Jonathan Taylor at Wisconsin and right. you know what? The guy was just a horse. Like watching him reminds me of Adrian Peterson, just as, yeah. as quickly as he can hit the hole. He's got that unicorn athleticism that they talk about. Um, I, I think Jonathan Taylor could definitely win the rushing title again, if he stays healthy, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, th- that's just kind of how they vote for these things. I mean, quarterbacks are going to win this award. Peter King has Josh Allen winning it. He also has the Bills beating the Packers in the Super Bowl, which, I don't know, that would be too close for comfort for me. I don't want the Packers <laughs> anywhere near the Super Bowl. Because, right. like, they could just pull one. They could just have, like, random BS and just pull one out. And I don't know. Maybe at that point, we're finally rid of Aaron Rodgers. But it's not worth it being screened five Super Bowls from across the river.
1: Yeah, so, and, I mean as as good as I think the Bills are going to be this year I will I will never pick them not to to win the Super Bowl just not not because I don't want them to win just because I feel like they're a cursed team as much as the Vikings are they're like the AFC version of the Vikings and they both have four Super Bowl losses but a lot of people are high on the Bills uh, do you
0: uh, scary do you ever know. subscribe to the theory that like so like if you watch I, mean, I don't know. Like the Rays, the Rays are winning playoff games, right? In baseball, yeah. like, and the Twins haven't won a playoff game in eighteen years. And you go, well, they can do it. They, you know, my team can do it. Like, yeah. if the Bills win a Super Bowl, you kind of look at it like they shook it. The Broncos were zero and four in Super Bowls until they finally beat the Packers. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. And if Stephon Diggs got a ring, cool. I, I oh, love yeah. Stephon Diggs. Like, I, there's a lot of yeah. Viking fans who might not feel the same way, but I, I mean. I w- I would love to see Stefan Diggs win a ring with the bill. Plus, they brought back the red helmets and those oh. things look sick. Like I, I'm kind of jealous that, the Vikings don't have another Yeah. I mean that, I that was, I'm jealous the Vikings don't have another helmet <laughs> that they can make. Yeah that look good.
1: Yeah. I think I get um sad maybe once or twice a week about Stefan Diggs still not being in the Vikings just because he's still really good. He's a good guy. Uh, yeah. like does a lot of charity and stuff and he's really a really good player still I would argue that he's still the best probably route runner in the NFL um so yeah um Stefan Diggs yeah I'd root for him for sure for sure but yeah Bills I can't I can't pick them to be in the Super Bowl I just can't
0: Well, we'll get away from predictions here and we'll get back to the Vikings here because people can't stop piling on Mike Zimmer. They can't help themselves. It's just like a nervous twitch Mm -hmm. at this point. Ty Dunn, who wrote the piece on Mike Zimmer's the end of his tenure, uh, I think about a year or two ago.
1: uh, It was right right after he got fired, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All that stuff came out. Uh Now. He's kind of writing a follow-up with Kevin O'Connell taking over and it's a good article, but there's about 1700 words in that article and like half of them rip on Mike Zimmer. <laughs> um, Do you hear that? No. <laughs> Shit. But. Oh, sorry. No, I, I swear I heard something in my apartment. That's what that I got a ghost in there. Maybe. I don't know. Um, Here, I'm going to go check on that super quick and just make sure there's nothing. But um, let's start it here. Terrence Newman said that countless players dreaded going to work those final years because all the fun was drained out of the organization. It became toxic. It was a trickle effect. Players are getting cussed out like that. Then it is going to make a long day for anybody. Um I guess what, what do you think about those comments and I'm gonna go make sure Mike Zimmer is not in my house and like firing off his shotgun okay um, I think
1: you know the, he said what he said but uh, I think it's easier to to, to point the blame at, at Mike Zimmer uh, because you know it's easier to do that than it is to maybe some of these players who look at themselves in the mirror you know listen you know Mike Zimmer's coaching style is is not for everyone and when his teams aren't winning, People aren't going to be as willing to buy into, you know, his drill sergeant tactics. But, you know, he's not the only one to, to have this style of, uh, of coaching. Uh, I'm going to read you guys who are still here a headline of an article I found about a current college coach who is arguably the most successful college coach of uh, myself and Chris's lifetime. I'll leave out the name, but it goes, you know, Florida assistant calls blank, quote, the devil himself. And who do we think this is about? So uh, if you have guessed already, uh, it is none other than Alabama's Nick Saban. I would say he's, he's been pretty successful at Alabama and, and LSU and what was before Michigan State there. Uh, he, like Zimmer, is known for kind of having a, a no-nonsense approach to coaching. He has no problem with yelling at his players or coaches to get them to understand what he's trying to get them to accomplish. Hey, he's back. I'm talking about.
0: I, I, I'm another, sorry about that. No, I'm talking I, about
1: a, another, another head coach. You all right? Everything all right out there?
0: Um, I don't know why, but, um, my tools like fell on the floor. Oh, okay. in the, all right. Ki- so I had them up on the kitchen, so I don't know if. A ghost. Well, yeah. I'll,
1: I'll start over. Uh, but I said, you know, these, these things are coming about about Zimmer, because, you know, it's easier to point the blame, I feel like, at someone else than to maybe, for some of these players, look at them themselves in the mirror and, you know, take accountability, because, you know, Mike Zimmer's coaching style, it's not for everybody, um, and when his teams aren't winning, people aren't going to be as willing to buy into his, his style, his drill sergeant style, but what I was reading to the listeners before you came back was a uh, headline of an article that I found about a current college coach who is Arguably the most successful college coach of our lifetime—I'll leave the name out—but it goes like this: so it says, "Florida assistant calls blank quote the devil himself." Uh, any guesses as to who this is about?
0: I'm gonna guess it's Nick Saban. Hey, you got yeah. it. You got the it. The guy Nick who Saban. wins.
1: Weird. He's uh yeah he's 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 been pretty successful at Alabama and LSU and Michigan State or wherever. Uh, and he, like Zimmer, is known for having a, a no nonsense approach to coaching. He has no problem yelling at his players or coaches. Just you know, get them to understand what he's trying to get them to accomplish. But the biggest difference uh, with Saban and Zimmer is that Saban gets to pick and choose whatever players he wants on his roster, and a lot of the guys he gets are some of the best you know prospects from from around the country. Mike Zimmer didn't have that luxury. He had to work with what he got so in 2020 the Vikings made a lot of cost-cutting decisions uh, mostly on defense and it didn't work out very well Uh, they tried to salvage things in 2021 by signing a bunch of veteran defenders that no one else really wanted and that didn't work out either Um, so yeah Zimmer didn't get to pick his players Saban does and it's different because one's winning and one's not and and also people keep talking about how how miserable it was for for Vikings players to come into work each day. Yeah, it was miserable cuz they were losing. Like you yeah. know, it's it's like that everywhere around the league. Do we think that the Jets players were ecstatic to go in to work last year when they were 4 and 13? No. Of course they weren't. Um and then the article also talked about, you know, players being shocked that that Zimmer cared so much about people writing about him possibly being fired. Uh yeah, I think anyone would would care about uh someone writing or talking about them being fired. He wants to do well. He doesn't care if he has guaranteed money or whatever. His main goal for the Vikings was to win. It was always to win. He didn't care about stats or records. We found that out in the last game talking about Justin Jefferson. Uh he just wanted to win. Like he almost lost an eye cuz he wanted to win. Um you know, that's probably why he was so frustrated at the end of his tenure and Know he had a bunch of guys in his locker room who probably didn't have the same passion to win, and that's okay. But the new regime also noticed that, which is why they got rid of seven of the eleven 2021 draft class, because they didn't feel that they were on board for their uh plans this year. So uh but yeah, we get I I think we get it with Zimmer. I feel like this should be the last time that we hopefully have to talk about this. We get it. He other people, it was grumpy. It was time for a change. Fine. No one's disputing that. Uh, but we don't need to keep writing about this. It was like one week to go until the regular season. There's a brand new regime, brand new coach, brand new things to write about. We get it. We get it.
0: I think, I think that's the most frustrating thing is that this is coming up. Six days to go before the regular season starts. Yeah. Like new coach new everything. No, But we can't stop dunking on Mike Zimmer. Like, yeah. Both things can be true. Mike Zimmer probably needed to go. There probably need to be a yeah. culture change. Yeah. Also, Kevin O'Connell might be bad in some of the areas that Mike Zimmer was good. Like, think yeah. about third down percentage. Think we'll talk about that in a second. Hint, yeah. hint. Like, you know, it's finding a system for Kirk Cousins. It's doing a whole bunch of other things. Like Zimmer succeeded in some ways, and that's why they were successful. Like, O'Connell's going to have his way, but, I mean, it doesn't mean that Zimmer's way didn't work. It just meant that it it wore out its welcome. And like you said, the Vikings were a 13-win team, everybody would have nodded their head and been like, okay, this is working. When you're missing the playoffs each of the past two years, you start pointing your finger around, and it's easier to fire the coach than the players. For sure.
1: Yeah, look at, I think Belichick's got a similar coaching style, maybe not as, I don't know, Intense, Maybe it is. We don't really know because he doesn't really talk a lot about his style or even players don't really talk that much about it. But he's been pretty successful. Um, But yeah, winning matters. It matters everywhere. And and at the end of the day, the Vikings weren't winning or getting to where they wanted to be. So so they made a change. But, you know, we're going to see if Zimmer was entirely to blame this year or if it was a lot of the guys that they kept around.
0: So a lot of unpredictably, uh, uh, excuse me, unpredictability going on. Not only in my house, but with the Vikings going on this <laughs> season. I tried to give some of my bold predictions over at the Viking Age. Ten bold predictions. It's up there right now yeah. for the 2022 season. And I figured it'd be fun if you and I went back and forth and made our own bold predictions for the 2022 Vikings. So. As the host of the Monday episode, I will let the co-host go first, and you can have your first bowl prediction.
1: All right. First prediction I got is for the first time since 2012, the Vikings will send a kicker to the Pro Bowl. Oh, That's right. That's right. Kicker, a Vikings kicker is going to go to the Pro Bowl. Uh, Greg Joseph has been absolutely on fire this summer. Uh, here's a very important factor. We just talked about not bashing him, but Mike Zimmer is gone. Uh, we can, it's pretty easily, uh, you could, you can tell very easily that he had a very, uh, not so good impact on the, the mentality of his kickers. They went through a lot. They went through a lot of kickers, a lot of punters, a lot of long snappers. He just had no time for, for special teams, uh, players, special teams. Hold on. We didn't even talk about, uh, the, the coordinator who, uh, <laughs> called the uh, Mike Zimmer Satan. We didn't even predict
0: who that was. Who do you think that was? um i i thought about it i think it's north turner you do yeah it, that's a good that's that's got to be the guess. leader in
1: the clubhouse doesn't a lot he? of people th- yeah a lot of people think it's D'Filippo. i think it dark horse could be marwan maloof
0: because
1: they kind of had a falling out um, yeah we, we know mike zimmer doesn't like special teams remember that i think they had like an argument in one game on the sidelines when like Somebody had a kick. I think it was after a Cordell Patterson kick return or something. Yeah, against the Bears, and they just went at each other. I think so, you said,
0: "Why don't you fire me?" And then
1: yeah. Did. So so uh, so a little dark horse candidate maybe there. But back to our bold predictions. Yes, Greg Joseph to the Pro Bowl. Mike Zimmer's gone. Greg Joseph's been on fire this summer. He's made all eight of his kicks, including a fifty-eight yard field goal. Um, so yeah, I think he's he's in good spirits. The special teams coordinator now, Matt Daniels, predicted that Greg Joseph is going to have the the best season of his career, so uh, that should probably result in the Pro Bowl.
0: I think you're right. I think the way that they've handled special teams throughout training camp has been very impressive to me, and it could have been, you know, just kind of how the Vikings didn't really care about special teams the past couple of years where they were just guys on the back end of the roster. You threw them together and you figured whatever. Matt Daniels seems to have a plan with what he wants, not only at kicker, punter, and all of those positions, but uh I really think that you know him and the way that he's handling Greg Joseph is going to produce a better season from him. My first prediction that I have goes on the defensive side of the ball and I hinted at it a little bit. I think that the Vikings are going to allow an over 40% conversion rate on third down next year. Cuz the Vikings led the NFL with a 35.9% conversion rate allowed since 2014 under Mike Zimmer. Ed Donatel's defense allowed a 40.9% conversion rate in three seasons with the Broncos. I don't know if Vic Fangio was running the defense or not, but uh, Ed Donatel's name's attached to it, and he's the new Vikings defensive coordinator. And then Mike Pettin, who looks like Rick Harrison, uh, his defense allowed a 38.2% clip in three years with the Packers. The best I can do is 38%. You know? <laughs> um, the last Super Bowl winner to have an offense that had a conversion rate under 40%, was the 2015 Denver Broncos. So you might look at it and go, well, that's not a huge difference, Chris. But it translates to winning. And especially on Sunday with the Packers coming into town, they're going to want to dominate the time possession. They're going to want to have big plays down the field and wear out that defense. And that plays right into the hands of Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur. So I think that that's going to be one of the most notable things with this new regime is how do they hand them the, handle themselves on third down.
1: Yeah, yeah, the third down defense being able to stop teams on third down, even when the Vikings defense has struggled the last few years, they've still been a very good third down defense under, and they always really were under Mike Zimmer. So that that's yeah, that's something that I think we haven't really talked about uh, all offseason is you know is this going to be the same because what they're in a different formation, they got different guys in there, um, they're gonna be running different looks on third down. So yeah, it's gonna be that's gonna be something definitely to pay attention to, and like you said, it's important uh to the success of the vikings this year so uh number two i've got uh, a recent addition to the vikings jalen rager uh from the eagles kind of uh people are already saying he's uh, a bust but we'll see he's only been in the league for two years but i believe he will have more touches than irv smith jr uh this season now uh, you might be like what no no way but this includes catches, rushing attempts, punt returns. I feel like the the Vikings are gonna get more creative uh with using Rager than than the Eagles did getting some some jet sweeps, maybe have him line up in the in the backfield sometimes, getting some wide receiver screens, just get him the ball like in space, get him the ball so we can make plays. Um and just add more to that illusion of uh complexity or whatever the, that the Vikings are trying to achieve. I also think there's a good chance that Irv Smith, you know. Misses a few games due to injury. Uh, That's just how it goes with him, apparently, in his career. Um, And then there's a good chance that Rager fills in for one of the Vikings' top three receivers if they miss time uh, due to injury. So I think Rager is probably going to have a lot more chances this year than, than some people might realize because we're coming off the Zimmer regime where the fourth receiver didn't really matter a whole lot but i think this with this offense it's going to uh matter a whole lot more than it, it did in the past
0: yeah i i mean people are high on irv smith jr but i mean I, I really wasn't impressed with him either the first two years in the league then he tears his meniscus people said he looked really good in training camp but i wonder how much kevin o'connell is going to use tight ends and fullbacks that's one of the mm-hmm. biggest questions coming into sunday's game against the Packers is you know how much how many times are you going to throw it to irv smith is he going to be like a focal point in the offense i don't think so especially with the depth the vikings have at receiver and in the backfield i think irv smith might be a lot like tyler higby who had like 769 yards back in 2019 but in two seasons with kevin o'connell he didn't even top 600 yards plus you have him kind of running uphill with coming back from that thumb injury can he catch the football uh over the first couple of weeks like that's going to be something you have to watch on as well. I have another prediction kind of like that, but it's on the defensive side of the ball. I think that Patrick Jones will have more sacks than Zadarius Smith. And Jones had six pressures on 42 pass rushing snaps this preseason. And I'm afraid about Zadarius Smith's back. Like it Uh. cost him basically the entire year last year, goes to Baltimore, agrees to a deal, doesn't sign it. Because Baltimore backs out of the deal. Mm -hmm. Why would they do that? I don't know. It might be Mm -hmm. the herniated disc in his back. Vikings bring him here. Smile too much. Yeah, they (laughs) too much of a smile. But Mm -hmm. they bring him here. His contract is basically a one-year deal, even though it's three for 45 or whatever Mm -hmm. it is there. And even if Smith misses half the season, let's say he stays healthy, but he's got to sit out a couple of games. Jones could be a situational pass rusher, yeah. especially when they're moving Hunter and Smith throughout the formation, if they're attacking on the inside or whatever, they've talked about that. I think that Jones will have a solid season and one that might springboard him for a starting role next year.
1: Yeah, I I, I can see that totally happening. I think of a lot of situational pass rushers in the past. I think Everson Griffin. Uh, you could even look at Daniel Hunter, which is, how this could turn out for, for Patrick Jones. Neil Hunter played 16 games in 2016, but he didn't start a single one of them and he still had 12 and a half sacks. So that could very well be uh, in store for Patrick Jones. He seems really comfortable in this new formation, uh, this new defensive formation, three, four. Um, so, yeah. And then, yeah, like you talked about the injury, uncertainty about Darius Smith, even Daniel Hunter. Um, I think Patrick Jones is going to get a lot of opportunities to, uh to make some plays and he looks like he can make those plays. I think they were even pretty high on him last year, but you know, I think he, did he get hurt last year? Or he just was, didn't get a lot of playing time. I don't think he did. Um
0: uh Patrick Jones. Yeah. Yeah. He, he didn't get a lot of playing time. I don't think right. he was hurt. It was one of those Mike Zimmer things. But I, I think in his, in his case, I think there was some development that needed to be had. Plus, yeah. uh you had, you know, Daniil and Everson on the edge, so mm-hmm. why would you why would you put him in?
1: And this coaching staff, the new new coaching staff has been kinda I feel like they've been talking about Patrick Jones since the spring. Um so they've they've like they've seen about him a lot. So I, I see him being a factor for sure this year. All right, my last prediction is Harrison Smith. Old Harrison Smith. I think he's the oldest is he the oldest player on on the Vikings this year? Him or Patrick Peterson, I feel like. Um, Harrison Smith, Smith's 34, isn't he? He's up there 33, yeah. to 34. He will lead the NFL in interceptions hmm. this year in 2022. Now, I say this because Ed Donatel coming over from the Broncos, uh, each of the last three seasons with Donatel as the defensive coordinator, Justin Simmons, Broncos safety, led the team in interceptions. Uh, those two, Simmons and, and Smith, are often talked about in the same company. Um and uh Harrison Smith has had three or more interceptions in four of his last five seasons and he had five in twenty twenty. He only had one last year, but I feel like he was probably doing a lot more than he usually does, just running around making up for Bashad breeland not covering people and Mackenzie Alexander not covering people. Um so I feel like he's gonna be able to get more back to just being himself, being wherever. He is in this uh, defense. And then lastly, Sharp Football Analysis uh, says that the average ranking of each of the passing offenses that the Vikings will be facing in 2022, the average ranking ranks 29th among teams in the NFL. So they'll be facing some pretty uh, simple passing offenses this year. So yeah, Harrison Smith, he will lead the NFL in interceptions this season.
0: Well, in Kevin O'Connell's introductory press conference, one of the guys that he mentioned was Harrison Smith by name, and one of those players that could contribute to the illusion of complexity. My last prediction is, I don't know if it's really bold or off the beaten path or whatever, but I'm just going to speak it in existence. Vikings are going to win a playoff game in 2022. I think their schedule opens up enough that they can make the playoffs, whether it be as one of the wild card teams or a division champion, and the NFC is wide open. I know Peter King had the Saints as the number one seed, <laughs> uh, which is we didn't kind even of, talk about that. That I mean that is bonkers. By the way, like he has he has the Saints, uh, Jameis Winston coming off a torn ACL, Michael Thomas coming off an ankle injury. Love Chris Olave. Don't get me wrong, there they're going to have Alvin Kamara for the full season. I, I mean, there's a lot to like, but Sean Payton's not there anymore. Plus, they have to deal with the Bucks in their own division. So, I mean, twelve and five in New Orleans just seems a little, mm-hmm. little high. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I could totally see it. Like some teams just—we're going to look at some team in the NFC and go, "What the hell? Like, yeah. how are they? How are they good?" Like, the I keep rest- feeling that. I,
1: I keep feeling that way about the Giants. I don't know why. I keep feeling that way. Just, just.
0: I like Brian Dable, man.
1: Yeah, I like Brian Dable a lot. Um, just Daniel Jones is a huge question mark. Um, but I just keep feeling that way. Like they're going to be some team that wins a lot of random games and we're going to be like the giants. Yeah.
0: And we talked about it before. Every team in the NFC has some kind of issue right now. Like the Vikings are like the rare team. Like the Vikings issue is that they still hate their old head coach. Like that, that's it. I mean, maybe you have center position. Maybe that's their issue. I'd say that's a pretty big issue. That's Yeah. It's a very big issue. Um, (laughs) especially with Kenny Clark and Jordan Davis in the first two games. Yeah. but I mean every team's got got an issue right now and i mean if the vikings can iron theirs out enough where they can make a run i could see them winning a playoff game they haven't won two playoff games in a season since 1987 since darren nelson dropped the ball in the end zone in washington so i I, I don't know
1: yeah my whole my whole lifetime they've never won two playoff games
0: yeah i i was alive but I, I wasn't watching the game. Maybe I was.
1: was. So eighty-seven. So that means eighty-eight was the playoff game. So I guess. So I guess only in the first year of my lifetime have the Vikings won multiple playoff games. Because they, yeah, because they've either been, they've either had a bye, or they've won one wild card game and lost in the divisional round. So super, super great stat. Love those Viking stats. And then like we're the winningest team with no Super Bowls <laughs> yeah great, great hang the banner hang the banner yeah that's all I got for predictions that's that's all you got
0: yeah that's a, that's all I got I mean I got seven more over at the Viking <laughs> none of these none of these are actually in that article so I mean this is fun uh Patrick Jones one is but other than that I mean I said Dalvin Cook will lead the league in 20 plus yards of run da, da, da. that 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 Whatever happened in my basement has got me a little shook right now. So if I'm like stumbling <laughs> over words, I, I thought I heard something like a motor running or something else. I don't that know. There was there so was one with the lights on tonight. I guess
1: there was one prediction that I was like, oh really? Okay. Um, let's see. Yeah, uh, you did say Patrick Jones will have more sacks, so that one is in here. Mm-hmm. Um, Pat, th- this one, just another sneak preview in your article oh, on yeah? the thevikingage.com. Uh, Patrick Peterson will be replaced in the starting lineup. I thought that was very interesting. Just just based on their depth, I, I'm like, he's going to have to play real bad for
0: for that to happen. But I could see it, too. I could totally see it. Well, if he gets hurt, too. Like we said, he's 32 years old. Yeah. I think the whole thing with him saying, well, I couldn't get in a rhythm because they weren't throwing at me. Like, that that just seemed weird. Yeah. They and haven't I, been throwing feel... your
1: whole career.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, I, I don't know. You want I mean, them to I, throw I, more at you? I, I, I'm not trying to be, like, negative guy here, but, I mean, I, I wasn't really impressed with Patrick Peterson in his first season in Minnesota. Not last year, no. 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 He was okay. And, I mean, he, he got hurt. That was part of the reason. But, I mean. He was solid. I, if he would have went somewhere else, I would have been like, oh, my God, what will we do? Like, remember, he took, like, a 50% pay cut to come back here. And he says a whole bunch of people called him. But, what I mean it just it seems like today. he's very today. good at marketing himself oh yeah like he's, kinda, it's the he's podcast, got the podcast whether yep. it's the you know free agency or whatever he's he's very good at establishing his brand which is for good sure. i make that he's, money man
1: but he's yeah for sure he's definitely got a career as like an analyst or something after uh after football for sure he's been setting that up for years um and yeah like you go to his instagram he's got like Ch- check out these new uh, these new peanuts that are you know these are delicious and it's like okay you make like million million dollars you
0: really need to do these
1: commercials uh, but he probably enjoys it a little bit you know it's what like,
0: Vikings fans need these nuts uh, Sorry. <laughs> well on that I just, note
1: I was gonna bring up Kirk Cousins you know he also likes to do the commercials with the what's the local pizza place that he does Pizza um, Ranch Pizza we ranch. got one in my
0: new hometown.
1: Oh, there you go. And he he did the yeah. best. He did the best pie commercial too. Like recently, when he was like, "Oh my god!" Like it's terrible, terrible acting. But it's Kirk Cousins. You you can't expect the the best from him.
0: Whoops. Um, <laughs> on that note. On that note, uh, that's all the time uh, before we get bombarded with angry Kirk Cousins fans. Uh, That's all the time we have for the Viking Age podcast. We do this every Monday and Thursday night at 6.15 p.m. Central Time right here on the Viking Age YouTube channel. Like, comment, share, subscribe so you never miss a new episode. For Adam Patrick, I'm Chris Shad and we'll see you on Thursday night.